I have a joke that I heard that I would like to share with the two of you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, okay. I'm sitting on the edge of my I seat. heard it from one of my favorite podcasters, Ellen Marsh of Obsessed with Disappeared. Okay. How much does a chimney cost? I don't know how much, Julie. Sometimes it's on the house. Sometimes it's through the roof. <laughs> Welcome to Obstacles and Opportunities with Lowell and Julie, sharing stories, empowering mindsets. Today's guest is Stefan Daniel. He's a Paralympic triathlete who is ready to compete at the Tokyo Paralympic Games. He earned a silver medal at the Rio 2016 Paralympics, and we can't wait to see what he does in Tokyo. Stefan was born with bilateral radial club hands. With the support and encouragement of an incredibly active family, Stefan not only found sport, but dominated. On top of Stefan's several World Championship and World Cup podium finishes, Stefan was also the able-bodied Canadian Junior Triathlon Champion in 2015. In addition to successfully competing on the highest level stage for paratriathlon, He's also super competitive in able-bodied cross-country racing and runs for the University of Calgary cross-country team. We had an amazing conversation with Stefan and enjoyed learning more about his love of family and sport. Enjoy. Hello. Hello, Stefan. Hi, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. well, thank you. Good. Did you know that we have a son with the same name as you? I did not. So do you ever get called Steph, Steffi, or Stephanopoulos? Uh, yeah, not actually, yes, all three. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm going to have to tell our little guy that because he gets a little frustrated when I call him Stephanopoulos. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But I'm guessing you get a lot more of the uh, Stefan, Stephen. Yeah. Stefan. Usually Stefan or Stefan. I have yeah. to correct them, but I don't really care. Usually people just call me Steph anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's where we're at too. It's lovely to be speaking with you. Thank you for taking the time before the big Paralympic journey. This is exciting. Um, so not yeah, only no did we, we name our child after you, or at least after your name, <laughs> we also have many connections. And so it's kind of fun through the Alberta triathlon and Alberta realm. I remember meeting you for the first time in 2015. I raced in the 2015 ITU triathlon in Edmonton and oh, yeah. uh, met you there on the blue carpet as you're setting yeah. up your triathlon, your transition zone. And then we spoke at the, it was the 2016, right after Rio, you were the guest of honor at the para triathlon development fundraiser event. Right. That was fun to meet you there as well. So many connections. And now we'd love to hear your story, hear the prep for Tokyo and some kind of the stuff you've gone through in your life to get to this point and really kind of encourage you and support you as you go off onto this next big journey. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Yeah. When do you go off, by the way? I'm just in Calgary right now. And then we head off to Pemberton, BC for a staging camp. And then uh, we head to Tokyo, I think on the 21st. So coming up pretty quick here. And do you know when your race is already? Uh, the 29th at 8.30. So Tokyo time, which I guess would be August 28th at 5.30 mountain time in Calgary. So 5.30 in the morning? 5.30 at night. Oh, uh, that's a lovely time. Thank yeah. you, Tokyo. That was very considerate. Yes, yes. It's a, <laughs> it's a good time for the family and friends to watch. Oh, that's exciting. And is it the same route and the same course that the able-bodied had? Or is there a change? It's the same venue. I think our course is a little different. We're just doing like one 750-meter loop, and then our bike and run course is a bit different, but same kind of area. And so we'll have the same conditions, all that type of stuff, all the same challenges. And I saw on social media that you have been practicing for challenges such as climate. So yes. what have you been doing to help prepare for the hot, hot weather? I was just in Victoria with the rest of the team and a training partner. So they have like a, it's called like a heat trailer. So it's exactly what it sounds. <laughs> it's basically a room that, 
they can pump up to like 38 degrees and make it extremely humid. Like they had like kettles going everywhere and it was pretty gross, but <laughs> we basically sit in there and we have to take like the core temperature pills and all that type of stuff. And all the physiologists are looking at our data. And so we have to sit in there for like, you know, 90 minutes for five days, do stuff with their core temperatures up. And apparently after five days, you get a physiological response and you're adapted to the heat a lot better. So oh. it went really well. It's really, really hard, but yeah. I think obviously training in 38 degrees will prepare us for like the worst case scenario in Tokyo. I don't think it's going to be that hot, but better over prepared. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever done hot yoga? Because the conditions sound very similar. <laughs> I have not. I have not. I don't know if I want to do it after doing the <laughs> training. It's not pleasant just even sitting in there. So, the, so that heat acclimation, that was not working out or were you actually working out at the same time? No, we were working out. Even just like standing there before, you're like, you're already kind of dreading it. Yeah. It's interesting. The first part while your core temperature is kind of rising, that's when it's really uncomfortable. And once you get to a certain level and it kind of levels off, then it, then you're okay. But I think we managed it well as best we can. And I think we're all really ready to go in Tokyo. It'll seem easy after that. Awesome. Oh yeah, I hope so. What did you think about the triathlons in the last set in Tokyo? It was good to see definitely the men's field is super deep right now i know tyler wanted to do better but he had a shot at the win but so did like 10 other guys it's just really really competitive right now so that's triathlon it's so competitive and the races were so so exciting mm. i was definitely motivated after watching that every time you watch the olympic triathlon you know that everything kind of gets more real and i was kind of getting anxious watching it so um, oh. you know definitely excited to get out there and we're just going to put that out there right now what are you hoping for in Tokyo. I definitely want to try to win it. Obviously, like getting silver in Rio was cool. I wanted to go into that race to try to win that one too. But you know, I just got beat by the better athlete on the day and had to live with that. So I think I've been training pretty hard for a while and I'm in a good spot to do it. But you know, again, it's just like the Olympic triathlon super, super competitive these days. So is the paratriathlon. It's just grown so much in the past five years. And mm -hmm. There's a lot more faces that are gold medal threats, so it'll, it'll be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. So in Rio, what was the time difference between all the podium finishers? How far apart were all the finishes? I can't really remember. I think I was maybe like 25 or 30 seconds away from gold. Oh, jeez. And oh. then I think maybe another you know, 30 seconds or so was bronze. Like It was pretty close. Yeah. And I think Tokyo definitely has the potential to be even closer than that, so it'll be fun. Wow. How many countries are competing? Do you know? I'm not sure the exact amount. In my category, I think there's only like 10 guys that are actually on the start list. They're like It's a very small amount that actually qualify, but we've got Great Britain in there, Germany, Spain, Mexico, like a bunch of different countries, Brazil, the US. Mm. It's pretty diverse. Are there any other Canadians? Not in my category. Okay. We have my category on the girls' side, so Cam Fernet, and then we have a blind athlete, Jess, and her guide, Marianne, who's from Montreal. So that's our team. I think we all have a chance to do really well, so we're really excited. Awesome. We're excited for you. Can you break down the classification system? a little bit for us what that looks like in paratriathlon yeah so basically like the simplest way to put it there's categories like one two three four five and there's also like vi which is blind the lower categories like pts1 is like kind of like wheelchair stuff and then all the way up to five is the least disabled i guess that's what, what i would be in so that's like minor arm impairments some leg impairments as well and then there's also the vi categories they can either be like fully blind or partially blind and they stagger them based on how blind they are. And then they ride on a tandem bike with a guide and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool to watch. They go pretty fast with two people on the bike. That's the one I'm familiar with. That's what Lowell used to do. And now he does the cycling and he and his pilot, they got to 103.7 kilometers per hour. <laughs> yeah. Some of the wheelchair guys are pretty impressive. Their arms are like the size of my legs. Um, <sighs> Like they're just so jacked and athletic. It's pretty cool to watch them do their thing. Uh, I love watching all the differences. I remember watching the 2015 ITU triathlon and there were people by the lake helping. Is that a lake? Pond? 
by the water. Or like, were, or like park. Or yeah, like whatever lake. that is. There were people by the water to lift the swimmers out who didn't have yeah. legs. I just love that. Just the sense of camaraderie and yeah. just the teamwork no, no, that that no, takes. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So you were born with bilateral radial club hands. Yeah. So how does that impact your strength and function of your hands and arms? My right arm is more significantly affected than my left, but I have it minorly on the left as well. So basically, like I don't get the same power in the water. I'm obviously, just having a shorter lever. The bike's a bit more challenging, you know, just having two different length arms. I have to adapt the bike a bit. And it's, you know, I, I've managed pretty well to adapt with like turning and all that and like shifting and all that type of stuff. Okay. But it's an adjustment for sure. And then the running, I don't notice it a ton. I feel like I'm not super disabled if at all, but I think it's just a bit of momentum changes, like driving with one arm versus the other. So it definitely mostly affects me on the swim. Whereas some other guys in my category, people who have like maybe some sort of leg disability or foot disability, like they might not be as affected in the water, but they're more affected on their run. So. It kind of levels out. So is your bike physically adapted? Yeah. My aero bars are kind of different lengths. Okay. I have some, some little adaptations like that that just make it a bit easier for me to keep my back straight and be comfortable on the bike. But luckily, I was able to have been in the sport long enough that we fine-tuned it over the years so that I can ride pretty much as well as any other able-bodied triathlete out there now. Yeah. Can you adapt it by putting a motor in? Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I did notice... I don't know if it was in the men's, but I was paying attention to the bikes, especially in the women's and it's a few of the men's that because of the technical course in Tokyo and especially the women's race was wet. Most of the bikes I saw were actually road bikes. Yeah. So for the Olympic triathlons, they're all draft legal. They have to use road bikes. So for the paratriathlon, it's non-drafting. So we get to use time trial bikes or triathlon bikes, whatever you want to call it. And then you can use road bikes, but it's obviously it's not as fast. So I was just going to ask for us bike dum-dums out there, the triathlon ones are faster then? Yes. Yeah, so you can tuck yourself down lower and be more aerodynamic and oh, it's just faster. Okay. But you're not going in the group and having to do all the technical aspects of navigating those tight corners. It'd be dangerous to ride those bikes in a group for sure. But also, yes, for our racing, you have to stay like 10 meters apart from each other. So you're not allowed to be any closer than that. Otherwise, you get a penalty. So so if you pass, you have to do like a wide. And pass, you have to kind of go around them. But you have like 20 seconds or so oh, to pass okay. them. And you have to like yell that you're passing them. And then if you're getting passed, you have to kind of let them like ease off the gas a bit. So okay. it's not perfect, but it's just part of the sport. Oh, right. So there was a change in the able-bodied professional Olympic style where it used to not be draft legal when it first came. Is that correct? Or when did that enter in? I think for Olympic, it was always draft legal. It's just like for Ironman and longer distance stuff, it's not drafting. So it's just, yeah, different types of racing, but a lot of short mm-hmm. course stuff is draft legal. Yeah. It's the fun stuff. It's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I find it a little more fun, but yeah. you know, I guess the, the non-drafting is probably the more honest type of racing, but it's mm-hmm. just different. Yep, the true test, you and the clock, right? Not yep. who can find yeah. the best shelter. It's just who can who can power and go fast. Yep. So do you have a favorite of the three? Swim, bike, or run? Definitely running. That's just something I've just I just enjoy the simplicity of running. Like you can just throw your shoes on, just go anywhere. I still compete like in cross country running in the fall every year and I just really have enjoyed it the most for sure. Do you run for UFC? Yeah, I do. I do. And you're still doing that? Yeah. So oh, I have awesome. uh, well two years of school left and I have one year of like eligibility left. So I'll be running my last varsity season this fall. So looking forward to that. Oh, that's fun. And so what are you taking at university? I'm taking business. Just plugging away through the business degree. It's taking me a long time just because, you know, I've taken like a year off for Rio and, you know, pretty light course load, but should be done by 2023. So looking forward to that. Awesome. And what are your plans with that? 
I, I don't I know. Do you have yet. any? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten that far. Focus on the present, okay? <laughs> Get through it first, and then we'll think about that one later. <laughs> Do you think you have a Paris 2024 in your future too? I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, Tokyo hasn't happened yet, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. I think I want to try to go for the next maybe three or four games. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'm just 24 now, so I'm pretty young, and like I'll probably be in my prime in Paris. Yeah. So that will be pretty exciting, and I I could probably get a you know another couple of games, and after that, that'd be awesome. So oh, yeah, I'd like to do the sport for the long run if I can, but you know, obviously things change in life sometimes. But you know, the plan is definitely just to try to go for as long as I can. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you get into triathlon in the first place? So my dad did Ironman triathlons when I was really young. And I remember, I think I watched him do Ironman Arizona when I was like eight or seven or something. So like I knew what the sport was, obviously didn't care to do a triathlon at that age. <laughs> I was doing soccer and that type of stuff. So that kind of helped me with my running at first. And then my dad threw me and my brother in a local swim club when I was eight. And I just kind of stuck with it. I didn't really enjoy swimming either, like as no eight-year-old would. But just stuck with it and I was able to do pretty well. And then with the soccer background, I was like a decent runner. I just do some local road races and we would just do like a local triathlon every year just for fun. And once I kind of got better at swimming and running, it was announced that actually triathlon would be added to the Paralympic Games. And I thought, you know, this could be something that I could be good at. It was kind of getting to the point in my career where if, if I wanted to make a Games, I'd have to like give up maybe running and just focus on swimming. But this is a chance where I could keep doing both sports. And I thought it'd be a really cool opportunity. And luckily it's worked out. Yeah, sure has silver medal worked out so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about your family? If I recall correctly, you're pretty tight with your family, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, That'd be awkward if you were. Yeah, I know, like, oh, never mind then. I'll dodge that question. (laughs) Yeah, they've been awesome supporters. Again, like my dad's reason I got into the sport. And also, like, my mom is super athletic as well. She's done marathons, and she's actually done Ironman as well. Oh, wow. And my dad's been to Kona a few times. My brother, so he started swimming with me as well. So he has cerebral palsy. Okay. I remember he was such a hardworking guy. He always had a smile on his face. He didn't let his disability like get to him ever. Uh-huh. And that really rubbed off on me. And I thought, you know what? Just do the best that you have. And it doesn't matter if your peers are maybe faster than you. Don't worry about them. Just maximize what you can do. And I think that really has helped me have success in sport. And he actually almost ended up making the London Paralympic Games in swimming. Oh, uh, he was wow. only second off the qualifying standards, so that was pretty oh, heartbreaking, but no uh, he was pretty done with swimming after that. Oh. But, uh, he was a good guy to have around growing up. And then I've got cousins that are super athletic as well. One of my cousins rode with Trek, the world's tour team, for a couple of years. Oh, cool. And another cousin was drafted by the Ottawa Senators a couple of years ago, which was exciting. So <laughs> okay. we've got a lot of athletes in the family. So in the blood, pretty, yeah. <laughs> Is your brother older than you? Yeah, he's a few years older. Okay, that's a sweet story. So you've learned some lessons from your brother. Yeah. And that sounds like a really powerful experience, right? To keep the right focus and to work hard. Yeah. What else have you learned from your family? What have you learned about yourself from your family, from your parents? I think my parents just kind of drew us into sport and they wanted us to realize that we could do anything that we wanted to. Obviously, Christian's disability is a bit more severe than mine, but they didn't want us ever using our disability as an excuse for anything. You know, that's why my parents threw me in soccer and swimming and, you know, I played basketball and stuff like that. I did I did everything. I didn't let anything stop me from trying something. And I think that's really helped me in sport and just in life, just to, you know, have confidence in myself. And at the end of the day, I'm just a normal person who has a little bit of a different arm. That doesn't matter at all. So yeah. I think them not letting us use it as an excuse has really helped us both. Mm. 
And that's really one of the bends to how Julie and I try to look at life is this, what are those obstacles that are in our way? And some people have obstacles that they can't overcome and, and they struggle and others use those obstacles to launch them into something. And yeah. for you, Stefan, you're doing something and you are more developed, more resilient because of maybe some of the struggle and not letting it stop you, but also going off and challenging yourself to go even deeper. Yeah, at the time, I was definitely not wanting to be doing what I was doing, but I'm grateful that I did for sure. And you run able-bodied cross-country, right? I do, yeah. 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 I've been lucky to have success in that, and I also do able-bodied triathlon when I can. So it's been pretty fun to be able to still have those. Dabble you know, in both. Yeah, do a bit of both, yeah. <laughs> so parents parent in different ways, and you had a specific kind of parent who threw you into all the sports and really encouraged you to try and do these things and don't let it hold back. There are some parents who have kind of more of the, we're going to protect you, we're going to make sure you're not uncomfortable. And I wonder your thoughts on that as a parenting style, and how would you want to parent a child who might have a disability or, or an impairment that's getting in their way? Obviously, like, I guess it would depend what it is, but I think if it's possible, I think just trying to treat your kid as anybody else, right? Like just try to give them any, every opportunity to try new things and get out of their comfort zone a little bit. Obviously it depends, you know, what they can do and stuff. Christian wasn't able to do most sports, but like he still tried. My brother still competed like in a cross country race with cerebral palsy. He did a triathlon once, which was incredible. Hmm. So I think just giving your kids an opportunity to try new things, even if they don't like it or don't stick with it, that's fine. Just as long as they know they can do something at the day, I think it's pretty rewarding in itself. So having those experiences at a young age just helped give you confidence later on in life. Yeah. How is Christian's mobility impacted? Does he have to have a different bike? He rode a tricycle. Oh, okay. So he wasn't able to kind of balance like on a normal bike, but still able to kind of compete in the triathlon. Well, he was powering the bike. Yeah, his walking is definitely a bit uh, impacted, but uh, he, he still was able to do it, which is pretty cool. Uh, your parents yeah. just must be so proud watching both of you guys on the sidelines. Yeah. You probably yeah, no, hear them all the time, hey? Yeah. Yeah, no, they're pretty vocal out there. <laughs> What's that like to not be able to have fans and family come to Tokyo? It sucks. <laughs> it's tough. Those are the people that have kind of supported you since day one, so... My parents are pretty disappointed not to be able to go. And my brother wasn't able to make it to Rio, but he was going to come to Tokyo. So it was Aww. pretty, it was a bit of a bummer. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I know they're all watching. Mm -hmm. They're still going to be supporting me no matter what. And hopefully there'll be some games that they can come to in the future. But yeah. it's a challenge for every athlete. Yeah. It is what it is. Safety has to be number one. And we all support the rules, but it's also tough not having family and friends there. Well, all the more reason to aim for Paris 2024 then, eh? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Are you French at all? Do you speak French at all? No, zero. I'm not. <laughs> well, you have a few years to yeah, yeah. Get, download the uh, Duolingo app and pick up yeah. a few phrases. <laughs> so a couple things. One, I heard a tip from an athlete who was in the Tokyo games, and they said that the beds are pretty uncomfortable. So make sure you put your uh, comforter underneath you. Sleeping on did those, you hear about those cardboard, cardboard beds? beds? I did, I did. Yeah. <laughs> They're apparently supposed to prevent sex. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't really, I don't really know what, what's going on though. I've heard they're all right. Like they seem sturdy. But, <laughs> yeah, um, I saw a video of a guy jumping up and down on them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be good. I've heard the village is pretty sweet. Like they've, mm -hmm. they've done a, such an awesome job keeping everyone safe. And if anybody can handle an Olympics during a pandemic, it's Japan. So mm. yeah, and then Team Canada has done really well too because we had zero cases yeah. of COVID on Team Canada, right, at the Olympics. Yeah. yeah, and I've talked to some of the guys that like that were competing in the triathlon, and yeah, they said it was just awesome being there. Obviously, it's a different experience, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah, awesome. definitely looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, we're very excited for you. I want to know a couple things. One would be what's your most enjoyable memory in triathlon so far? Like, what's the memory that kind of sticks out that's brought you the most joy? 
I think when I was able to win the Junior National Able-Bodied Canadian Championships in, in 2015, that was a pretty cool moment. Like, I never thought that I'd actually be able to win an Able-Bodied race. I was pretty animated when I crossed the line. Oh, yeah. So I think that was the best moment I've had in this sport, for sure. Awesome. That would definitely be a rush. It's a wow. rush. That's yeah, amazing. <laughs> and so to flip that on its head, what's been the most challenging? What's been the hardest, the darkest moment you've had? Uh, that's a tough one. I raced in Italy in uh, 2018. And before that race, like I was just having a really, really difficult time in training. Like I just wasn't motivated. I was just kind of quitting on myself. I was overthinking everything. And I just went into that race, just not in a good state. And I ended up getting beat. It was definitely tough. And the day was a bit of a wake up call. And after that race that, you know what, from here on out, just try to enjoy training. Like remember why you do the sport, you do it for to be active and to be physically fit and all that and to have fun. And when I got back, I completely changed my mindset and I was able to regroup and win world championships a few months later. So that was definitely a tough point for me, but I think it was more of a wake up call than anything. So I was actually grateful that it happened. Pain leaves gifts. If you're looking yeah. for the gifts of pain leaves, if you're able to make that change afterwards, you can be better off after that loss than you would have maybe if you would have had a decent result. Yeah, no, for sure. It was a blessing in disguise for sure. But at the time I was pretty worried because I was just had no fitness and no confidence yeah. after that race. So it was tough, but I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. About how many hours a week would you say do you spend training? It depends, I guess, on the week, but usually if it's a higher volume week for me, maybe like maybe 22 hours a week or so. I know a lot of the Olympic triathletes maybe are closer to like 25 to 30, but I just do sprint distances in paratriathlon, so it's a bit shorter. And I'm a guy that kind of likes to do just higher intensity stuff versus a lot of volume. So it's still quite a bit and it's pretty exhausting. So it's a full-time job pretty much. Yeah. So if you feel as though swimming, you said swimming was the least strong discipline of yours, right? Yeah. 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 Would you then spend, I mean, I guess it's maybe different during COVID because it's a little trickier to access water, but would you spend more time on swimming than the other disciplines during training? Yeah. I'd say I'm like, I'm in the water more frequently. Right now I'm swimming six days a week, biking maybe like five and then running five. Just because the pool's access has just been inconsistent. Like it's yeah. been kind of like get in shape, then a pool closure, and then you get in shape, then a pool closure. So I've been having to kind of just fast track my swimming a bit. So I've just been swimming six days a week for the last, you know, month and a half or so. So I'm in good shape now, but I just had to do a lot of volumes to kind of get back there. Yeah. What's the swimming distance again? 750 meters. Oh, 750, right. Yeah. The sprint distance. A fun one. Yeah. What do you do beyond the swim, bike, run? Do you do dry land, strength? Um, do you do lots oh, of physio? and like transition practicing? On top of like swim, bike, run and training, like I do strength two or three times a week. I have physio once a week, you know, there's massage, all that type of stuff. And then, yeah, for transitions, like usually we'll do sometimes like swim to bike workouts. Like we'll swim in the lake for, you know, maybe 200 meters and jump on the bikes for a few K and then do that a few times. And then uh, sometimes also we do like bike runs. So that's usually when you get to practice your transitions. So transitions, they don't seem important, but, you know, if you can gain five to 10 seconds in a transition, that can be the difference at the end of a race. So mm -hmm. yeah, uh, it's definitely important that you're, that you're on top of those. I noticed that in the few triathlons that I've done and the transitions took like 18 minutes. I'm like, oh, that really brought my time down. Uh, yeah. It's just free time. So it's, it's, it's important to try to get it as good as you can. Well, do you have a little game for? I do. So I have a little check-in on mindset and words are important and the way we interact with words. And there's a few that I like to bring up, but just a little bit of a reflection. What does this word or words mean to you? So the mindset check, word bird, what does this mean to you? Start line. Nerves. <laughs> I'm 
on the start line, it's pretty anxious, but you know, everyone's in the same boat. Once the gun goes off, it's all good. It's a tough moment when you're just waiting, ready to go. Is it kind of instantly after you start going, like right after the gun goes and then you're just in it and you don't feel the nerves anymore? Yeah. Honestly, like the worst part of a race is before the race. Race morning is the worst. So thankfully the race in Tokyo is in the morning, so I don't have to deal with it too long. But once the gun goes, it's just kind of autopilot and everyone's mm-hmm. good to go. So somebody at your level, you've won a silver medal at Olympic Games. You've done really well. You've won gold medals all over the place. What do you tell yourself in those nerves? I just kind of try to remind myself, it's just a race. You've done this a thousand times and just all you have to do is just go do your best and you know whatever happens, happens. I just try to tell myself that as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Lose. Humbled. Losing definitely helps you correct things for the future. It helps you relook at some things you're doing and just try to improve upon it. I think that losing is definitely, obviously in the moment it feels bad. You never want to aim for that as an athlete, but I think if you can shift your focus to like trying to learn from what you did wrong or what you weren't prepared for, I think that can help you long-term. Mm-hmm. Next word, win. All those moments in training where you wonder why you do it, it kind of all makes sense when you cross the line. Everything you worked for, it's truly worth it. It's a pretty you know, emotional moment when you, you know, win a triathlon at a high level. Mm-hmm. Speaking of winning, what does this word mean to you? Simon Whitfield. <laughs> uh, legend probably <laughs> you know simon's awesome i was able to do a bit of training with him in 2016 before rio i was actually living in victoria awesome. so i've met him a couple times he's a fierce competitor but he's he's such a relaxed guy and i think it was pretty cool to meet him and you know he's done a lot for the sport of triathlon and especially in canada so definitely somebody to look up to i think a lot of triathletes in canada look up to him so he's a pretty awesome guy to know yeah before i did my very first triathlon and and i were doing it together in edmonton again he was supposed to be at the dinner before and speaking at it, but yeah. his wife went into labor, so he couldn't oh. come. So we missed that meeting. <laughs> yeah, priorities. <laughs> he is a legend. I love that. Yeah. yeah. He's a legend in triathlon in Canada, for sure, and, and globally, a great yeah. name. So that's pretty awesome. Next word, Tigger. I may have seen an interview with your mom. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, took me a sec. I was like, oh, they must have seen that. <laughs> Apparently, I really enjoyed watching the Winnie the Pooh stuff, and I was always crashing in the walls and stuff. Just bounced off the walls. Yeah. Do your parents still call you Tigger? Thankfully not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get rid of that name. You can get rid of that name. Oh, sorry it's to bring it up. Poo. Yeah, it's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, to have this energy, and you were to channel into sport, and you've done really well in that. So it's cool to see the beginnings, and we see that in our kids, right? You see something that's growing, and you've certainly channeled that energy in a productive way. Yeah. All right, triathlon. Here's the next word: injury. Kind of like reflection. Like I remember, I actually got injured fall of 2019. I got a navicular stress fracture, which was you know really tough because obviously that was leading into at the time what I thought would be the Paralympic year, and that took you know a long time to heal. It was super stressful, and I was pretty down, but I was able to kind of just reflect and you know spend more time with family and friends and just step away from the sport for a bit. And I think it was healthy for me to do that. I was able just to pause and just think about what I had done in the sport up until that point, and you know what I wanted to do when I get back and. I think when you're injured, you actually appreciate sport more than ever when something's taken away from you. I wanted more than ever just to be healthy and competing again. So I promised myself that when I did get back, I'd, I'd enjoy every moment that I was healthy and not take it for granted. I think it was a good thing for me. Mm-hmm. We learn a lot from our injuries. Yeah, that was my first one. I was on a 23-year streak of no injuries, and then that one was pretty painful. It was right after a race that one happened, so it was tough. Mm-hmm. So, oh, Sorry. May yeah. I interrupt this you may. for a second? Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> At what point did you know that you were going to Tokyo? I didn't officially know, I guess, until like this summer, but I had a good idea I was going probably 
in 2019, like winning world championships. Like I knew, like I hadn't qualified officially, but I knew it was pretty unlikely that I wouldn't go. Once the pandemic hit, that just changed everything. And I was just, I just tried to focus on what I could control. Like I was able to spend more time on the bike, you know, because the pools were closed and stuff. And I was able to really improve my biking, which is, I think, mm. where I lost the race in Rio. So I think oh. I've come a long way there, which is exciting. And tried to, you know, focus on the run as well, but just do some new things. And I think I came out of the pandemic a lot stronger than I went into it. So I was oh, awesome. uh, pretty excited about that. That's awesome. And so will the guy who won gold in Rio, will he be in Tokyo? Yeah, he will. Oh, it's payback time. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't raced him since Worlds in 2019, so he'll be strong for sure. He's definitely one of the guys to look out for as well. So You beat him at Worlds in 2019 though, right? Yeah. 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 We'll see. Tokyo's a different course. The Lausanne was uh, where Worlds was, it was super hilly and I'm a pretty light guy. So uh, that course suited me. I think everyone's kind of been looking forward to Tokyo. So I like my chances, but you know, obviously he'll be right there as well. And so will some of the other guys. So it's, it'll be exciting. Yeah. I was just wondering if his strength is cycling and that's kind of how he won, then you definitely have a bit of an advantage now. Yeah. I think that probably is his strength for sure. I think he put a pretty good amount of time into me in Rio on the bike. So I know my swimming and running are strong, but I definitely knew that my biking is where I needed to improve the most. I think I've definitely improved a lot in the last few years. So I'm happy with where I'm at, but obviously anything can happen in the race. Yeah. I assume Zwift has helped you out with that. Yeah. No, I spent a lot of time on Zwift. I think there's a ton of people on there and you could do some racing and that was all kind of fun. So it helped keep me motivated during the pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, finding our motivation through the pandemic was a big thing for a lot of athletes is getting through the closures of the Canada Sport Institute, right? That's open and then closed and and just finding access to the gym and to weight rooms, but Zwift was available. So speaking of Tokyo, speaking of everything else, next word, pressure. Kind of like a privilege, I guess. When you have pressure, that means you're doing something right and you're probably having success. So there's quite a few of us that'll have pressure in Tokyo to bring a medal home. So obviously it makes things a bit more nerve wracking, but we've been through it a lot. So it's nothing new. I'll just try to go into the race and just not think about any pressure or anything like that. And just, you know, just just do what I can on the day. Mm -hmm. I love the way you put that. It is a privilege. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you going to say like, I eat pressure for breakfast or something. But yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last word. Well, last phrase. Paralympic spirit. What does that mean to you? It's growing. The whole Paralympic movement, it's getting so much more well-known. And you know, the Paralympic spirit is something that I've known never giving up and you know, trying your best no matter what. They're cut well, kind of like my brother in that way. They've never mm-hmm. you know, used their disability as an excuse. I think that's you know, a huge part of the Paralympic spirit is just never using a disability as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Great answer. Triathlon is an interesting sport where it's an individual sport, but when you're on a team, Team Canada... You have a lot of people supporting you. You're a part of something bigger than yourself. And that's part of the Paralympic spirit. But what have you learned from coaches or teammates through this journey? I've been lucky to have some pretty awesome coaches. Like my triathlon coach went to the Beijing Olympics and my swim coach in Calgary also went to the Beijing Olympics. Oh, wow. I've been having pretty awesome mentors. They've been there and they know what it's all about. So definitely learned a lot how to handle pressure and how to be consistent in training and most importantly, how to enjoy what you're doing. So I've been lucky to have really good staff and a support team around me. The people that I'm going to Tokyo with are all really great at what they do. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm going to be set up well now and in the future. So it's it's been pretty awesome. Aww. Great. Yeah. We're shaped by the people around us, shaped by a family, shaped by our coaches, our teammates. For sure. What are your other interests? How do you kick back? I like to go camping and stuff with friends. I go to movies quite a bit. 
I just try to just do like normal, you know, 20 to 25 year old people things. No crazy hobbies, but yeah, I just try to enjoy time with friends as much as I can. Nice. Awesome. Friends are important. This journey is big. You can't live like a regular 20 to 25 year old, right? You're, you're going to school, but also trying to compete at the highest level of elite paratriathlon. And also it's COVID. It's during COVID, <laughs> everything else. So yeah, life's, life's impacted, but yeah. you're living life to the fullest. It sounds like you're really digging deep, training hard. You're very serious. And I think that's what it takes to be at the top of the podium. It's been a good year. It's been tough though. So I'm ready to race now. Like it's, this is, it's dragged on a lot. So yeah. definitely ready to race and get a bit of a break afterwards for sure. What was your feeling or emotion when the Olympics actually went ahead? Like it was actually happening. Was that kind of relief? Like, okay, yeah, now we know the Paralympics will go ahead. It was exciting. Like there was always like reports coming out that everything was going to be canceled. So all that was kind of stressful. I try not to yeah. look too much into it, but it's, it's hard not to. Yeah. When the Olympics actually started, it's like, okay, I think, I think we're safe here. Like, I don't think they'd ever do the Olympics and not the Paralympics, knock on wood, but it made things more real. And I thought, okay, you can relax now. It's all going to be okay. Like you'll have a race. As people watch triathlon, not, not everybody has done one and not everybody quite understands. It's, it's fairly simple. We swim, then we transition over and we bike and then we finish off with a run. But from the inside, the 28th here in Canada, we're going to be watching you starting at 5.30 p.m. We're going to see you on the start line knowing that you're going to be telling yourself to like calm down. You've done this before. The start gun goes. Can you walk us through this race and the mindset of Stefan as you're going through that race? Every race is different, so there'll be things that I have to react to in the race that might change what I'm thinking about exactly, but definitely I'll have the pre-race nerves. Maybe see me setting up my transition, and I'll try to be looking calm, but on the inside I'll be a bit jittery and stuff, and same with on the start line. When I jump in, everybody for the first 100 meters of the swim goes out really, really fast to try to get a good position. So like 100 meters in, literally like a minute or two into the race, I'll be gassed, but that's okay. Yeah. Everyone's in the same boat. but And this is the mass start open water. Yeah, so I'll be working really hard at there, and then hopefully you don't get like an elbow to the face. I remember that happening. Do you get kicked a lot or elbows to the face? It happens for yeah. sure. Uh, usually it's not, not on purpose. Like it just happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah hopefully just, not on purpose. Can you imagine someone's just going? By. Yeah. <laughs> but the rest of the swim will just try to you know get in a good position, get on somebody's feet, and hang on there. Try to draft them, and the water is going to be really hot, so I'll be trying to manage that as best I can. I think the water will be like twenty nine or thirty degrees. And yeah, the bike, I'll have people, staff out there, you know, giving splits. And also I'll know exactly where the other athletes are, like whoever's leading or anything like that, or whoever's behind. And yeah, the bike, I won't be able to think about much. I'll just be trying to go as hard as I can the whole time. Cause I know that that's the most important part of the race as, as I alluded to in Rio, that's kind of where I lost it. So I'll try to do my best there and try to limit the damage or gain on, on anybody that I can. And then the run, I'll just run with my heart. I'll try to be thinking of all the sessions I put into this, you know, all the family and friends back home. The run is usually kind of where I can think about that stuff and gain energy from it because I'm uh, pretty dead at that point and so is everybody. So yeah. yeah, I'll just be working really hard that whole run and then hopefully the finish line, hopefully it's a high emotion. But at the end of the day, like if when I cross the line, I'll know that I've given it 100% of the day and you know whatever happens, I have to live with. Yeah. Do you like that the order of the three are your least to most strong so that you can kind of yeah, yeah. on your it's strongest nice. note? <laughs> it's nice and having the run at the end. It's it's something that I can, you know, I can make time up on people for sure. Yeah, It's nice to have that for me versus, you know, running running scared, I guess. I can mm-hmm. chase people. So that, that's a nice way to do it. <laughs> and when you hit the wall, when you get into that dark place, when it's it hurts, right? It's that, that point where the body's saying no, but you just keep pushing it. What do you tell yourself? What have you told yourself that gets you through, that keeps you going, keeps those legs moving? 
I try to segment the race as best I can, like just make it to the corner and then make it to the corner. Like, okay, just focus on the next hundred meters, just run it well. And then just checking in with myself, like, okay, I know it hurts, but just keep, keep your breathing. Okay. Like don't tense up in your shoulders, just run with good form, all that type of stuff. It's just little cues like that. And if you break up the triathlon by thinking of different stuff like that, it, it makes it more manageable versus thinking, okay, I'm going to do a 5k all out here at the end. Just kind of try to break it up and give yourself a little mental cues. Do you race with heart rate and stuff so you can see kind of where you're at and what you're used to? No. Okay. I don't usually. I try to focus on more just racing who I'm racing versus my specific pacing. Sometimes races are a bit more slower, a bit more tactical maybe on the run, but I've done enough racing where I know exactly how to pace it, thankfully. Mm. I'll know how to pace it properly and get everything out of myself by the end of the race. Awesome. This has been awesome. You are an inspiration. You are a really hard worker. And I'm very excited to watch this race and to cheer along. So know that a lot of us back at home will be watching, cheering you on. So if you get into that dark place and you're just thinking about that, also no pressure, but know that we're sending lots and lots of energy your way. I was going to say your little doppelganger over here will be cheering for you, but then I'm like, he's not your doppelganger because he has long curly blonde hair, <laughs> but he's your name or ganger. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate that. That was an easy podcast for sure. Just chatting with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you know, you're you're easy to chat with. Thanks for coming on. You're kind of a big yeah. deal. <laughs> thank you. But also just a regular dude. So that's awesome, right? That's a bit of both. Good luck yeah. as you go. Sleep well, rest well, travel well. Listen well, because we'll be cheering from here. Oh, well, that sounds good. Awesome. Okay. Well, good luck. Happy traveling. And we'll be cheering you on. Sounds good. Well, thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, Stefan. Stefan Daniel. Nice name. It's a good name. (laughs) The Stefan Daniel. He's one of Canada's top para-athletes, hey? Stefan is definitely one of those that we're watching. He does have a lot of pressure on him. He's come into this at the top and it's hard when you have that pressure but i really like how he reframed pressure Mm -hmm. into pressure is a privilege that it is a privilege to be at that level and paratriathlon is likely to going to get a medal from him and we're all hoping it's a gold but either way we know that he has put in the work the time he's definitely the fitness and if it was a shoe in right we wouldn't have to have the race it is all about the day it's all about prep and who's ready on that day to perform and he has a lot of other people chasing that top tier too Yeah. And I heard him say in a different interview that you can have 10 different races with 10 different results. It just depends on the day and how everybody's day is going. And they're all top athletes. Yeah. And we often talk in sport about a proper preparation principle and to make sure that you are preparing for the best and that specificity and for them to do the heat acclimation and trying to get that ready so that their bodies will respond. We know it's going to get hot. We know it's going to be humid and they have to race in that. And if it's not prepared for, then it's going to have an impact on the racers. So they're going to be drinking lots of water. They're going to have lots of electrolytes in their mix. It's not a super long race. It's a sprint distance, but well, it's still enough that it's going, to be, it's going to be hard. <laughs> it's going to be challenging. And they go really, really fast. He was pretty young back when I met him at the beginning in 2015. And I love triathlon. It was actually my first love of sport. Finding triathlon is the thing that really pulled me out of some of my most dark moments, and I'm thankful for it in my life. And it was a podcast, and you, that got me to do my first triathlon. Remember that, Lowell? I do. Lowell wrote into uh, some triathlon podcast. Does that still exist? It does not. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
Actually, I, I don't know that. I'm not guaranteed on that one. Um, but I, I highly doubt that that podcast is still available. I've been listening to podcasts for about 20 years now. And so the... Uh, and I've been listening for about one year and yeah. 100% true crime. <laughs> so the early days, I was listening to a podcast on triathlon. And they had a triathlon scholarship to get new people into triathlon. And all you had to do was write in, give them who you want to nominate for a sponsorship for a race entry fee. And Julie and I were dating at the time and we were going to be married. I don't know if we're going to be married at that time. We're still just dating. I was into triathlon. Julie hadn't done one, but she was so fit. You were running. You were... Basically, I was scared. I didn't... I was too scared to sign up. I didn't want to. So Lowell took that into his own hands, did not tell me that he was doing this. And then he just sent me a link to the podcast and I listened to it and the host said, so Julie Gradanis, you're going to the ITU triathlon, blah, 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 <laughs> and it's paid for. And I was like, what? And I remember I just, I instantly changed my clothes and went for a run outside. <laughs> also, I did not train for the swim part at all. I tried at the U of A pool once, but it was way too crowded. And that was like very painful. And we avoid the thing we, we don't like. So you avoided that in the triathlon. <laughs> and now swimming's my favorite one. Yeah. That was a really interesting race. You came out, I think, last or one of the last out of oh, the lake. Oh, it was so painful Open water, cold. It's a little pond. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not a very nice pond, but it's a really beautiful race in Edmonton. And Stefan's raced there lots. I've raced there a bunch. That's where you first raced. I think that was 2013, 2014. Was no, it was we before we were married. So wow. it was like 2006 or 2007. 2006. Right. 2006. Jeez. So 2006, your first triathlon. And dead last out of the water, dead last out of the water, demoralized. And then you actually, I think we're third on the bike. You just, and you were on an old bike. You weren't really on a, on a good bike. I didn't really train much for that one either, but got third and then you got first in the run and you, you actually did really well overall. So (laughs) yeah. And I swam. Yep. All the what ifs. So triathlon (laughs) is actually a really big part of our life. You did a triathlon in New Zealand also. Yeah, that was fun. A I, women's I, only triathlon yeah, in New I, Zealand when I we borrowed, lived there. I borrowed a colleague's mountain bike for it. <laughs> Again, was not prepared. And swam in the ocean along the coast. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. A lot of good memories. But yeah, I, I get what he means about the nerves beforehand. Mm-hmm. That's why they have the PRP. Pre-race. Pre-race, Pre-race what? Pre-race poo. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get it out before the race. Um, the body's saying, hey, We I'm, like to keep I'm, it classy here yeah. at Obstacles and Opportunities. I'm nervous. I still have an itch in regards to triathlon and I'd love to do an Ironman at some, sometime. I know you would. I would. I so. would not. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that cycling is your strength and the one you got into because it's the least convenient one to travel for. Yeah. It's a lot easier to travel with the Speedo and goggles. Yeah. We often joke about that because like the last race that Lowell went to in Portugal, he flew with two tandem bikes, each worth more than our vehicle, very delicately packed these huge boxes. And while it took us about 24 hours to pack them, <laughs> it's like, why couldn't have you have just been a swimmer? <laughs> yeah. It's not the easiest <laughs> sport to travel. So Stefan, uh, he'll be having to pack his all the things. Yeah. All the things likely two bikes. I don't know what he goes with, but usually they have a warm up bike and then they also have the, the race bike. And then you have all the, all the gear, all the kit and He's going to be heading off there soon, so we definitely want everybody to pay attention, to set their calendars, set their clocks. This is one you can watch live. It's not super long. It's going to be super interesting. Open water swim around the boys, come back, switch over, bike, and then finish off with a run. So if you can check that out, the 28th, 5.30 p.m., set your calendars. 
otherwise, please pay attention. The mm -hmm. Olympics are over, but the Paralympics are about to begin. Let's pay attention. Let's give them the views. The stories are incredible and the people are incredible. This is why we're in podcasting about overcoming obstacles. It's because of the stories of these individuals and individuals like Stefan. Mm -hmm. We're very excited for you, Stefan, and we'll be cheering you on. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us. All right. And thanks to all our listeners. Until next time. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.